welcome aboard, ladies, gents, and uh, other identifiers. This is Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record here on Radio Nope, and I'm doing a thing. I'm doing a thing again. Doing a thing. It's the night... Uh, no, what am I doing? Rewind. <sighs> I'm doing a thing. It's 1980. No music from any year other than 1980. Get it? Simple concept here, folks. Um, and, and actually, I'm going to start off with a song that just, to me, just screams 1980 in a way that, like, nothing else does. This is Alice Cooper on the public record. I'm a clone, I'm and I'm fine.
Although, 
And that's who that was. That was uh, them with Rescue, which, of course, you know, because they repeat the the title like 400 times in the song. <laughs> Um, but okay, so I, I like adored Echo and the Bunny Men's records like very, very early on. Will Sargent's guitar playing and and Ian McCullough's vocals are just stunning. Um, and at one point they were the band that I had seen live the most. Uh, they got eclipsed pretty quickly, but but you know in the in the eighties, like every time they came around, I went to see them, and every time I went to see them, I was sorry that I did, and not because they were bad, because some of their shows were tremendous. Um, they they were when they were on, they were one of the best live bands I think in the world, um, but they had this weird cross section of an audience that was just horrifying. Um, like the 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 guys who would be going to a bro country concert today, they that type of guy like always went to see Echo and the Bunnymen, and I I mean other than working concert security, the only time I ever got assaulted at a concert, and then I went to metal shows, I went to hip hop shows, I, I went to everything. And the only time I ever got assaulted at a concert was Echo and the Bunnymen, and it happened three times. So there you go. There you go. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I think it was they. They were kind of like they were kind of sexy and like sexy in a weird androgynous way that stirred things among the youth, the male youth of the eighties that they were uncomfortable with. So they had to hit people. That's my theory. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> before that, Peter Gabriel with "Not One of Us." Um, Oh my God, the drums at the end of that song. So when my buddy Rob was on here with me co-hosting a few weeks ago and we were doing the prog rock thing, we got into a conversation about how on the first few Peter Gabriel, first four Peter Gabriel records, solo records, uh, there's no cymbals. There's no hi-hat. There's no crash, no ride cymbal at all. All the drums are just drums. Um, And how weird that had to be as a drummer like, how do you, what do you use for your timekeeping? Are you just, you know, it's not just tribal pounding. I mean, playing a drum kit requires that you have to keep a rhythm in your head. You have to stick to a groove. And Jerry Murata, just, just phenomenal, like, innovative drumming across the charts on all four of those albums. But I, I love particularly the end of that one. And then Devo with Girl You Want, enough said. I mean, just seriously. One of the best songs by one of the best bands on one of the best records ever. There you go. And I started this off with Alice Cooper and Clones. What I'm doing, I'm playing all records that were released in 1980. This is all music from 1980. And I have had arguments with friends um, going back years about the like decline in quality and relative quality of pop music. And, and so... And I, my focus here is, and I'm going to play some stuff that didn't get a lot of airplay, didn't sell a lot of records, maybe. <laughs> but my focus here is like the fact that pop, like the popular stuff, the records that sold in 1980, the overall quality of everything was insanely good. Um, there's there's a handful of years there, and I'm not going to spoil the rest of them because I'll do shows on those in the future because I'm going to. Um but uh, I put out a poll, a little question amongst my 
my imaginary audience on uh, social media today and said, hey, if I'm doing a show, do you want 1980 or 1981? And, they, and the folks who chose to vote, they voted 1980. So that's what you got. Um, and that's what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, so there we go. So there's um, one of the things about 1980 was that uh, ska was a big, big deal. And um, this is one of my favorite uh, English ska bands um, and, and possibly my favorite song by them. This is Madness. Naughty boys in nasty schools and masters breaking all the rules Having fun and playing fools Smashing up the woodwork tools All the teachers in the Passing man a ready rap Trying not to think of when that lunchtime bell will ring again Oh what fun we had Why did it really turn out bad All I learned at school Was how to bend not break the rules Oh what fun we had But at that time it seems so bad Trying different ways To make a different food The headmaster's had enough today All the kids have gone away Gone to fight with next to school Every turn that is the rule Sits alone and vents his cane Same old backsides again Thank you. 
feels appropriate. Uh, I started following an Instagram feed this week um, that's called, I think, uh, SF Empty. Um, after um, what am I, So what I do when I'm not doing this or any of the other stuff I talk about on the air um, is I am a commercial property manager. And so I have a, a bunch of coworkers. And one of my coworkers' territory is San Francisco in the um, northern half of the peninsula that's south of there. And uh, he was telling me the other day, uh, last week, that he'd gone into San Francisco because he had to work on a on a project in one of his buildings, and he was just stunned. He hadn't been into uh, the downtown area since April and he was just absolutely stunned. Like, took his breath away, kind of, how empty San Francisco is. Like, there's no one there. In the middle of the middle of the day, the middle of the work week during the day, uh, Market Street and the financial district in San Francisco was just completely deserted. Um, and and he he said it was just it was profoundly disturbing. He said it was like watching uh, a scene from um, that awful Will Smith movie. Um, <laughs> I can't even think of it right now. Uh, the Omega Man. Uh, is the original Charlton Heston. Um, I am legend. That's the, that's the, um, that's the name of the Will Smith movie. It's like just, you know, just completely deserted, um, downtown city just for blocks and blocks and blocks. And, and then somebody else that I, uh, that I follow on Instagram had linked uh, a post or shared a post from, uh, SF empty, um, that, was really, really disturbing. Just like a neighborhood, not, you know, the business district, but a neighborhood where clearly you could see that, um, apartments and, and houses have just been vacated. Um, there's like, there's no curtains in the windows. There's, there's clearly no furniture and there's no people. Um, what people apparently you do see in San Francisco right now are homeless people, which is absurd because you have all of these buildings that nobody is using, uh, whether they're residential or commercial, and yet you have people sleeping on the street. So there you go. In Ghost Town, so that was the specials. Um, that was really about that was a, about a circumstance that was happening in uh, the UK. In, in 1980 that because of violence perpetrated by skinheads at um, nightclubs, the, the clubs at all basically shut down. Um, and so London in particular was becoming uh, a nightlifeless city um, because of violence and, um, and the state reaction to that violence and also the people just saying, oh, it's not worth it. I'm not going out to a club if it means I got to confront some violent racist asshat um so yeah it's a ghost town english beat with Tristan twist <laughs> the lips the teeth the tip of the tongue english beat with twist and crawl before that and before that joe jackson with beat crazy with the amazing graham maybe on bass I'm going to say his name enough that like, I could be one of the other, one of more than two people who know who he is um, whenever I play Joe Jackson because he seriously makes every song he plays on with uh, 
that band. And then Madness started us off with Baggy Trousers, um, which is just that's just a fun song. Baggy Trousers. Yep, absolutely fun. Fun, 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 fun. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record. Thank you for tuning in. What I'm doing tonight, I will repeat, is I'm playing music from 1980. Gotta been released in 1980. I'm not playing it. Um, and I'm going to lean like kind of in the direction of stuff that's a little more familiar and less than the obscure because the point I'm sort of making is about how the general quality of just what was there, pop music, um, was stunning. Stunning. Anyway, so without further ado, I thought I would kick it up a notch. I was playing, you know, a little bit groovy kind of stuff. I'm going to kick it up a notch. I'm going to get a little more aggressive. This is Joan Jett on the public record.
just like and do the love boys I tore my knees up get them to you cause I need it I found out what the thing was for I've been reading man time came to explore I went ain't fire cause I thought like I like it little cheese but I didn't need it but you mess with the good stuff you gotta pay A good time was guaranteed for one and all the tattoos. Target practice in the hall while waiting for their number to get called out. I, 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 I found out what the wait was about. I was a good time. Yeah, I got pretty good. Changing tires upstairs, bro. I shot my mouth off and you showed me what that holds.
What is the matter with you? Can you identify it? Can you can you elucidate upon it? That split ends on the public record with What's the Matter with You from the True Colors album. Uh, there's like that's one of those records. There's not a bad song on there, folks. Seriously, honestly, every song is amazing. And and the crazy thing is, it if you go back and you like listen to Split Ends prior to that record, it almost seems like a totally different band. Um, Neil Finn joined the band, and that was his first record that he was on. He's younger brother of Tim Finn, who was the previous. Um, main singer and and leader, and prior to Neil joining the band, this uh, of of amazing Kiwi weirdos, um, they were kind of a like a Roxy Music knockoff, um, only slightly weirder, if if you can imagine that. They were like New Zealand weirded out Roxy Music, and Neil joins the band, and they like they they tear through this album they write this record and i i honestly feel like it was brotherly competition songwriting like i you're not going to write a better song than me kind of thing and and they just pushed and pushed and pushed and so you end up with this killer record um which also if you bought it back in the day and god i wish i still had my my original copy it was laser etched vinyl with the geometric pattern that was on the cover of the record was etched into the vinyl it was the coolest thing to look at i mean think about this this is um this is 1980 this is pre-mtv like there were music videos out and you'd see them in places every once in a while but basically the only way you saw a band that you liked is if you went to see them in concert and if they were from new zealand um they're not coming here Right. That's it's it's like if they do get a tour, it's going to be really, really small and it's going to be hard to get to see them. They might not come to your town. And so little things like laser etching the vinyl of the record was it was like a gift. And and as kids, we didn't think, oh, yeah, this is some marketing person in the record label that came up with this. We thought the band like controlled every aspect of the packaging and the marketing and everything. And so it was like, this is the band talking to me, their fan, the kid. Um, It was special. It was absolutely special. And, uh, you know, getting older and more cynical, I look back on it and I still think it was special. It was fun. Music should be fun. Right, it should lift you up out of wherever you are, and and that that record definitely did it. Check it out if you don't know. True Colors Split Ends. You just check the whole dang album out, cause why not? Cause everything's on streaming. <sighs> uh, I'm gonna get somebody. I'm gonna get one of my friends who's a musician on to like talk about streaming and and how. It's just a curse and a blessing at the same time. That's what, yeah, maybe it'll do that. That's what I'll do. Uh, Before the split ends, The Clash with Police on My Back. From the worst, up to that point, worst album The Clash had made, um, Sandinista. And Sandinista's not a bad record. There's just too damn much of it, right? There's like three records in there. I remember as a kid, like, going, no, that's too much. (laughs) Just, it's too much music. I don't want that much. Like their record before was London Calling. It was a double album. London Calling is a masterpiece. Um, And so it gets away with being a double album. But then like Sandinista is like, okay, 
There's a thing called editing. Not every idea you have needs to be on your record. And three? Really? Anyway, um, great song from a not-so-great collection of songs. Um, Pretenders, Tattooed Love Boys. That's another Pretender song where I, I like listen to James Honeyman Scott's solos in there and just go, ah, okay, I'll, I'll give a tooth or two to be able to play like that, to be that inspired. <laughs> and Joan Jett, do you want to touch me there? I don't know that anybody does like creepy old um, glam rock dude songs better than Joan Jett. Like Joan Jett like takes like, like what is, if you listen to that song from the perspective of the original composer, it's gross. If you, if you listen to it from her, it's hot. So there you go. So that's what she does. That's that's her magical, um, yeah, her magic power, her superpower. She can make the creepy old dude song not creepy and just hot. So there we go. I'm Joe Public. You're listening to the Public Record. I'm doing music from 1980. I feel like I should impose some kind of weird 1980 DJ voice. Hey man, we're in the. And I'm like, and and for anybody who's like east of the Rockies who's listening to me, I'm hella late. So I'm like Venus flytrap. I'm I'm Venus flytrap up in here. That's what it is. I need to get chimes and a gong. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, pandemic isolation might make that happen. Chimes and a gong, and 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 so like my studio that I do this in is my office during the day. This is where I work. And across from me on the opposite side of, uh, of on the other desk in the office is my wife. And so I can just see how she just look over and like, what the F are the chimes in the gong for? <laughs> or she would just go, eh, that's who I married. Probably that. Anyway, I'm um, gonna change uh, change speeds here. So one of the one of the like things that I remember really keenly from uh, my experience of 1980 was there was in the town I grew up in, Alameda, California. Um, we had one kind of big record store. It was called the Record Factory, and it was in an old diner. Like the diner had been converted into a record store, and um, the uh, and, and, and it was like a hang place. It was like one of these places where like the kids would come and just hang and touch the records. And the folks that worked there just tolerated the heck out of us up to a point. And I got to be really good friends with a lot of the people that worked at the record store because I'm just this kid that I was just this kid that would ask questions and then just soak up whatever they threw at me. And so the, you know, the, the, the folks who loved music and, and then decided that meant working in a record store was a great idea. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, it totally is not as a guy who then went on to work in a record store. Nothing will make you hate music more than working in a record store. <laughs> but these folks were totally tolerant and cool and fun. And every once in a while I would be there too long and I needed to pee. Right. And <laughs> trust me, don't, this isn't getting, is not going to get that weird. I would need need to pee. And because they were my friends at work, they would let me go into the employee restroom. And the employee restroom at the record factory in Alameda was graced with a gigantic poster on the door um, of 
the cover of the album that this song came from. And it was really hard to take a dump while you were looking at this.
Thank you. 
I, I, I will fight people over the choice between some girls and emotional rescue. I, some girls is fine. Uh, but emotional rescue to me, that was the stones actually taking a leap into the next era. And it was, a it was sad. They didn't follow through with it. Cause, cause kind of, you know, tattoo you is kind of like mm, some girls light. Um, there's cool stuff on Emotional Rescue, though, including that song, which is the lead-off track on that record. And I remember the first time I heard it, it just kicked my ass. Um, to me, that's like, like if the Stones are just like about being dirty, that album is dirty with a capital D. And uh, yeah, I love it. Kind of love it. Uh, that's Dance Part One. Before that, Stevie Wonder with Jammin. Um, the kick drum on that song is just insane. I, I, I need to go look and see if, if Stevie played the drums on that. Um, cause it's just, it's insane. It's so heavy and it's, it just drives through the whole song. It's, it's just killer. You know, uh, I will also fight people about Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder was just, he, he was the, you know what? Um, Yeah. Um, Brothers Johnson did Stomp before that. Okay, so who are the Brothers Brothers Johnson? Well, basically, they're the dudes that Quincy Jones hired to make Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 sound the way that they did um, in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, and they played on a whole bunch, whole bunch of other records too. And then their own records, they had they had hits in their own right, like that song. Um, but basically, you know, it's 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 like two dudes, a guitar player and a bass player, who just kill absolutely kill and um good stuff and that record came out in 1980 like all of the above along with that first track that i played in that set uh dirty mind by prince and i I shared the story about the uncomfortable experience of having to be in their record store bathroom and and trying to move myself um while i'm staring at prince in a um, uh, a coat and bikini briefs, basically. Um, not a, not an unpleasant thing to look at by any stretch of the imagination, but I was like 11, man, or 12, or 14 or something. I don't know. 13 or 14. I'm 13 or 14 years old. That was uncomfortable on a whole bunch of levels. Um, <laughs> probably... I need to stop right there. Just cut that strand off. There, Joe, you're done. You're not talking about that anymore. Because it's just, it's weird. It's weird to think back. I'm I'm like a gazillion years old now, but it's weird to look back on my life and say, oh, at one point I was a 13-year-old kid who got made uncomfortable by a poster. Um, funny story related, exact same bathroom, a few years later, the poster that was stuck on the wall behind the the commode was the poster that came inside of the Van Halen Women and Children First LP, which is David Lee Roth chained to a chain link fence with no shirt on. Also not the easiest thing to pee to. Just, just going to put that out there. Not the easiest thing to tinkle to. That's, that's, there you go. I've said it. There you are. Uh, I'm Joe Public. It's the public record. I'm doing 1980 music. Um, and I couldn't not play 
something off this next album because it was a a shatteringly huge record for the year. Um, and their drummer is a pretty killer dude um, who has got a really interesting social media presence. And I would highly recommend if you're into percussion and drumming and music and, and culture um, and a little bit of pop culture history that you avail yourself of following Mr. Stuart Copeland. This is the police.
You too, without a control from their debut album, Boy, which came out in 1980. I actually can remember the first time I heard that album, and um, I don't know, it did it did things, it did things to me. Like um, when I started playing guitar, I was totally into like Zeppelin. ACDC, Van Halen, less less so Van... I mean, I admired Van Halen, but I didn't want to play music like that. But I, I was really into ACDC. I was really into Led Zeppelin. I was into Rainbow, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath. And I, and I just couldn't, like... I, I, like, clicked with Angus as a guitar player, right? And, like, always wanted to play like him or play like Malcolm, really. But first time I heard The Edge, I was like... I need to figure that out. And and I studied you too. And so it's, it's kind of funny. My very first band, my first real band that like stuck and played for years together, actually started off just as a shameless ripoff of you two. The band was called The Stand. We we were mindlessly ripping off our favorite U2 songs for like the whole first year we were together and then then stuff started to change and evolve and we kind of got our own thing going but anybody who saw our early shows was like who knew you too was standing there smiling if they liked us they're standing there smiling and they're just like okay cool guys um if they didn't like us they would make a point of like going right up to us and saying dude stop it um, so, you know, there you go. But I, I was like fully inspired by the edge. Like the, the, the guy is, and I still think he's a genius. Um, you two's gotten a little predictable. Um, and they made one record I hate. <laughs> I, I, I loathe the Joshua tree album that like their most successful record they ever made is the one that I hate. And it's not cause like everybody else got to be a U2 fan it's because I just hate that record there's like two songs on there um that I I don't loathe um and I was really glad when they took up like complete like 90 degree 90 degree pivot after that and did Octum Baby which because to me that was like oh okay cool you guys you guys aren't gonna try and become like Irish Tom Petty um, not that I don't like Tom Petty, but like that's what I felt like they were doing. They were they were going to be Irish Tom Petty, and I, I did not want did not want. Um, yeah, Ugh. 
<sighs> Shudder. Um, before that, Susie and the Banshees with Israel. Um, Joy Division, Heart and Soul. That's still my favorite Joy Division song of all time. It's just so, it's so cool. It's just got such a great groove. The little, little snap, snappy snare drum in there is just killer. And the police with When the World is Running Down. Um, yeah, it's like super huge record. I mean, Zenyatta Mandata was the break. That was, I mean, the police had, the police had minor hits, but Don't Stand So Close to Me and Do-Do-Do-Do-Da-Da-Da like blew them up. And after that, they were huge rock stars. You know, there was, there was no more of their, them being obscure in any way. They were just huge. The biggest man in the world, literally, after that record. Um, and I still think that Sting was right and, and should take his own advice that, every, you know, mostly bands have five records in them. And um, if you make a sixth record, you're just, you're pushing your luck, man. You should just move on, do something else. Sting should do something else. He should start a band. That's my idea. Like, how does Sting revise, revive his career? Take his ego and shove it for a while and try and work with other people as equals instead of as I'm the boss and you do what I want. He'll never do it, though. He will never do it. <sighs> I'm Joe Public. You're listening to The Public Record. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got, you know, 12 ish minutes left to go here so not not time for a heck of a lot of stuff um but i wanted to get to one uh a, a song from one album in particular to me that just epitomizes 1980 more almost more than anything else because it's very very personal so um i, I had my like my first cool teenage birthday party in 1980 and um, I got to invite a bunch of friends over, and we played music, and we danced, and uh, we ate cake, and it was it was killer. It was like I, I couldn't believe my parents let me do it, honestly. And um, people asked, "What you know? What should I get you for your birthday?" And I was like, "Just come to my party." And people still had to get me presents. And my friends knew me at that point in my life so well. They knew exactly what to get me to the point that I got three copies of the same album. <laughs> and it was this album by David Bowie. This is from Scary Monsters.
said that Motorhead is the bridge between the punk rock kids and the metal kids. Like, the metal kids and the punk rock kids all love Motorhead. And grown-ups too, obviously, right? So I always thought the B-52s were the bridge between the pop kids and the, the like the new wave kids. Because at school dances, when I was in high school, they would play the B-52s and everybody went nuts. Like nobody went, oh, I don't like this. Everybody went nuts. I mean, people who didn't dance got up and danced. That's how much, how beloved the B-52s were, which is why I think when they made like garbage records in the 90s, like people bought them because it was a nostalgic thing, but whatever. I could ex- I could pontificate on that on a- another time. I'm Joe Public. I'm going to be signing off here quickly. I, I got a, uh, I played B-52s, Party Going Out of Bounds, and uh, David Bowie, Fashion. And I got one more for you. I have to play this, I have to play this song because it came out in 1980, and it's about kind of, you know, it's kind of what we're doing here, here on Radio Nope. Kind of, you know, you're going to hear stuff here and and sometimes it's going to be stuff you know and sometimes it's going to be stuff you, you don't right but um it you know everybody's putting in the effort everybody's putting in the work and um we're trying to give you good content entertainment and um so yeah that's what it's all about i'm joe public i am out for another week i'll see you next week this is rush <laughs>
all the prophets were written on the stone wall. Sound.